Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Lord, we thank you. We magnify your name, Lord. We appreciate you. Once again, we'll come before you to receive instructions that God, you may guide us in the way we should go. We ask, Lord, that you increase our faith in what you are instructing us on so that we can be able to live out with conviction your call upon our lives as believers. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, today we're going to start a new series. And we're done with the other one on the difference between believers and unbelievers. So, we're starting a new series, and this one is called Redeemed Long Ago. Redeemed Long Ago. You are redeemed long ago. This part one. Your redemption is not just what happened by accident. It's not just what came in uh, if I may use the word 2,000 years ago, you've been redeemed long, long way back before that time. But all that took place in, if I may use the word 2,000 years ago, like I'm going to see from scriptures, is the manifestation of that which already had been, you know, slated, done, and achieved. That was just a manifestation of what happened in 2,000 years ago. But before then, it's already taking place. And as we progress, you'll be able to see that you were in Him when all of these things happened. So, but our main test is going to be Revelation 12, uh, 13, verse number 8. Revelation 13, verse number 8. Book of Revelation, chapter 13, verse number 8. And He said, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. Slim from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world. He was slain from the foundation of the world. And uh, so we're going to progress later. You'll be able to see that the scripture also said, Ephesians 3, we've been chosen from the foundation of the world. So right from when he was slain, that's when we were chosen. Is that okay? All right. But... We want to look at a few things here in this passage. It talks about the book of life of the Lamb. And that, that's very important for you to grasp. When you talk about the book of somebody, you're talking about the biography of that individual. So if you, for instance, talk about the book of the life of David, you're just talking about the biography of David. Who he was, what he did, his nature, his character, whatever as the case may be, his achievements. That's what you mean when you say, the book of somebody's life. You're talking about the person's biography. So, here we're talking about the book of the life of the Lamb. The life of the Lamb, right? Okay, if it's the life of the Lamb, that means we're talking about the nature of the Lamb, the character of the Lamb, who the Lamb is, who he was, who he is right now. You know, you're describing all of those things. That's what I mean by the Lamb, or the, the, the book of the Lamb of the Lamb. Life of the Lamb. Now, but the next thing is a slave from the foundation of the world. We're going to be dealing with that. But let's do a little bit of the issue of the 
the life, the book of the life. Let's quickly look at Exodus 32, verse 31. Exodus 32, verse 31. Uh, in this series, I'm trying to give you a foundation about your, your redemption, right? The last one we treated with treating your daily living and all of those things. So I normally try as much as possible to alternate them so that you can understand some spiritual realities and then you come to uh, apply those things to your life. And that's exactly what we want to deal with in this particular passage as well. So here we look at Exodus 32 verse 31. The Bible says, Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, these people have seen a great sin and have made them gods of gold. And verse 32 said, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sins, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. Verse 33 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, he will I blot out of my book. Amen? Right, so here we, we, we have the record of Moses coming down, you know, from the mountain after being with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights to get the laws. And then we made to understand that children of Israel, remember when he spoke to Aaron to make a golden calf for them. And so they made this golden calf for them, and then by the time Moses come down, remember that's the first time he has to break the book, I mean, the, the tablet of stone. He broke them out of anger. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so you can go back and read all of that from number 7, that's Exodus 32, verse number 7. You'll be able to see some of those things that I'm talking about. So you go through all of that up to verse uh, 12, you'll be able to see the encounter, how the Moses was coming down, how God told him, your people have seen, and all of those things, and he said, I was going to destroy them. And Moses said, no, if you want to do that, then of course, you got to get me out of that book that we are written. Praise the living God. Amen? Are we here? All right. Okay, so, first of all, we're dealing with this, and then... Moses was actually trying to plead with the people, you know, I mean, with God, to spare them. And he talks about the book, you know, which has written. In fact, when you go to verse uh, 13 also, he made mention of something very, very important when he was speaking to God. And he said, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servant, to whom thou swearest by thy own self. And he said unto them, I will multiply your seed at his Sons of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Now, he was trying to remind God what he said, what he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And say, if you destroy these people, what would the people say? You take time to read for verse 7, like I said. He was trying to make them understand. The Egyptians, even themselves, are going to say, well, he just took them to the wilderness. I mean, to destroy them. He was unable to take them to the promised land. So we're trying to appeal unto God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Are we here? Alright. So when he said, These people have sinned against thee, and say, Yet now, if thou will not forgive them, that's, we're looking at 30, 31, 32 now, then 33 again. He was trying to make a statement. I'm going to interpret what he's, he's trying to tell you, what he's trying to say in this particular passage. If you won't forgive them, blot my name out. I'm going to interpret that. I'm going to make you see that. But let's read another account. In the book of Romans chapter 9, which is almost the same thing. Romans chapter 9, verse number, verse number 3. Uh, Paul is speaking here. He said, For I could wish that myself we are cursed from Christ, from my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. 
What is it to be an accursed thing? Now, that was the same thing that Moses actually was talking about when he talked about blotting his name out of the book that God had written. We're also going to talk about that a little bit in terms of the name being written. But let me just mention that. You see, God was not in any way sitting somewhere with a ball pen and writing people's name. The best explanation you can give to that was Moses kind of compiled the genealogy of the children of Israel and how they are going to live when they get to the promised land through the wilderness. Their personal or family inheritance, individual inheritance, he just put all of these things down, you know, that becomes the book of life, as it were, under instruction or the very eyes of God, he was writing this thing and documenting all of those things. So it became a book that God gave to him. It's not as if God was writing the book somewhere. But he was just compiling the genealogy of the children of Israel. How they were going to live when they get to the promised land through the wilderness. And how they are going to share the promised land to each and every one of them. That's just what he was writing down there. Which is now becoming the book of life. So he was not trying to say, if you can allow these people to go possess the land... Of course, I am not ready to go. I'll make you see the mystery of it. Moses was actually trying to say, sacrifice me and let the people go. You understand me? Right. And this is very important. I'll mention it again about this. Two major reasons why Moses have to die. He has to become an accosting for Israel to survive. And then he has to die so that Jesus can die. Because Deuteronomy tells us that a prophet that was going to raise for Israel... If I said it, God will raise unto you a prophet like unto me. So there have to be a likeness. So if he didn't die, there's no way Jesus would die. Otherwise, you see that Moses has so much of the presence, the power, the glory of God. If I were made to understand, his eyes never abated. Remember that? Right. So there was nothing that would have been able to kill Moses. But he has to die so that Jesus can die. Because he was a prophet like unto him. Jesus was a prophet like unto him. So whatever experiences he had was what Jesus was going to get. So these are the two main reasons. I'll explain that further. But let's look at this. So Paul is saying here, I need to be accursed. What does it mean to be accursed? I, I would like us to go to the book of uh, Joshua chapter 6. You know the story of Achan, how he picked the, the accursed thing, isn't it? Okay, but let's look at it. So, Paul is saying, I wish to be a cause. And that is very, very strong statement. But let's just look at what it means to have or to be an accursed thing. So, Joshua 6 verse 18. Um, this is the instruction God was giving to the children of Israel as they were going there to Jericho. And he said, but as for you, only keep yourself from the devoted things. Lest when you have devoted it, you take up the devoted things. So, Will you make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it? Go to verse 20 and he says, So the people shouted and the priests blow the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him and they took the city. Verse 21. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep, and ox with the edge of the sword. Amen? 
That is what happened in, I mean, in Jericho. And the only people that were saved in Jericho was Rahab and his family. You remember the story, right? Good. Now, but remember what I'm trying to make you understand is, look at the verse, uh, what verse did we read now? The verse 18. Very important. But as for you, only keep yourself from the devoted things. Now that word devoted things equally means the accursed things. Now remember, Paul is saying, I wish I could be a cause for Israel. By implication, he's saying, I, I want to become a devoted thing for the sake of Israel. And I will explain that. Because you see, at the end of the day, we find that Jesus was an accursed thing. That's a hard statement. <laughs> but you're going to get it. Yeah, because if it's not, you will not have your redemption. Did you get that? See, so that's a strong statement that Paul and Moses were making. Moses was saying, blot my name out. In other words, I don't want to be part of it. Let me be a sacrifice for Israel for them to go possess the land and have what belongs to them. And this is one of the major reasons why Moses will not enter the promised land. He has to die because God had to answer that prayer. Mm. Hallelujah. So the next thing, um, so he say here, again verse number uh, 18, but as for you, only keep yourself from the devoted things, lest when you have devoted it, you take up the devoted things so that you will make up the camp of Israel cause and trouble it. Now in other words, if you take a devoted thing, the camp itself become an accursed thing. And I'm going to explain what it means to have a devoted thing. Okay. Praise the Lord. That devoted thing equal what? The accursed thing. Are you following it? Right. Okay, now, let's go down to Joshua chapter 7. We'll look at verse 1. And then, uh, we'll look at verse 11. Verse 1, then we'll go to 11 through 12. Let me show you. Joshua 7 verse number 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the Acostine. For Achan, the son of Kami, the son of Zadi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the Acostine. Hallelujah. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Amen. Achan took the Acostine. Now, the implication is Israel become an accursed thing. So know what happened. You go to verse 2. Look at verse 2. Joshua 7 verse number 2. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethavim, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and view Ai. Now if you take time to read the Bible said when they came back, they said, we don't need so many armies. Few armies will go and defeat I. Is that okay? Good. But by the time they went there, they were what? Defeated. Why? Because of the Acostine. Now, the Acostines are meant for destruction. So now that they have taken the Acostine, they are to be destroyed. That's why you're reading here that Israel became an Acostine because they collected Acostine. Is that anybody what I'm saying now? Because every accosting belongs to God and not as if it is, it is holy unto God in the true sense, but it was meant for destruction. It belongs to God. <laughs> I wish you could get what I'm saying here. 
Okay, so go to verse 11. Go to verse 11. Joshua 7 verse 11. Israel has seen, yes, they have even transpired my covenant. What was the covenant? That's only take out and constrain. Which I commanded them. Yes, they have even taken off the devoted thing. So note that. Devoted across the same thing, right? Okay. And I've also stolen and disembodied also. And they have even put it among their own stuff. Okay. So go to verse 12. Therefore, the children of Israel can't stand before their enemies. Did you get that now? Good. They have to be destroyed because they are now in. They collected their costume. They become their costume. So now they can't stand before their enemies. And so, then the Bible said, then they turn their backs before their enemies because they have become accursed. Are you getting that? Good. Now I want you to see the implication of this as to the prayer of Paul when he said, I wish I could become an accosting for Israel, my people. I don't know if you're getting that. Good. And then when Moses begins to say, you better blot me out of the book that we are reading. You understand what I'm talking about. Kill me. That's what they are trying to say. Let me be an offering. Let me be a sacrifice for these people to go free. Alright. So now, Israel was an accosting because they took accosting into the, into, the, into the camp. And that was through who? Achan. Say, now you now say, I will not be with you anymore except you destroy the devoted thing from among you. Can you get it now? Praise the Lord. Are we together? Okay. So now, all of those things come from Deuteronomy chapter 7. The basis of what he was telling them was Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 25. So we can look at that again. He said, The engraved images of the gods shall be burned with fire. You shall not cover the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it to you, lest you be snared therein, for it is an abomination to Yahweh your God. Verse 26 says, You shall not bring an abomination into your house and become a devoted thing like it. You becoming a devoted thing like what you are bringing. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So Achan taking those things, the gold, the silver, whatever thing he took from I, I mean from Jericho, made Israel to become what? A devoted thing or an accursed thing. Are you getting that? Very good. Alright. Now it says, I'm sure I'm not speaking above your head tonight. <laughs> Just follow this story. There's something very important you're going to catch at the end of it. Because you see, Jesus had to become an accursing for you to be redeemed. That is the implication of what I'm trying to say. But I'm taking you gradually and giving you a simple definition so that you can follow it. Now, we know people have learned so much preached about this issue of accosting. Have you heard about that before? Right, accosting, accosting, accosting. Accosting looks like oh, something that is, um, is bad, something... The truth of it is, an accosting is what belongs to God. And they have it for his own personal. Let me give you a simple illustration of this. You see, if, if like those who worship uh, idols, is that okay? If they go to the priest, if they go to the priest, and they go there with maybe a goat, right? Good. The priest is going to take the goat, and that goat from that moment become holy unto the priest. Are you getting what I'm saying? That gold becomes holy to the priest. It becomes the priest's own personal property. Or the shrine that owns the priest. I mean the goat. You understand that? Good. Now, 
they are not keeping the goat there for that long. The goat is going to be killed. The goat is being killed so that you can be free. Do you understand it now? Cool. So our costing are what belongs to God. They are holy unto God. They are God's personal property. But they are meant to be sacrificed to set people free. That's why it's called devoted. What do you mean devoted? Devoted unto God. You see that? So, the concept of accosting we've been preaching is not necessarily the way it is in the Bible. That's what I want to make you say. Are you still there with me? Praise God. I just started a series on that. I'm dealing with it gradually on Facebook. If you go there, you can be able to see the part one. Alright. So here we go. And he said, Israel had become what? Uh, and accosting because they bring abomination into your house and become a devoted thing like it. You shall utterly disturb it and you shall utterly abhor it for it is what? A devoted thing. Praise God. It is a devoted thing. So that which is devoted unto God, which belongs to God, which he wants to destroy, you don't have to use it. You don't have to collect it because it will make you, your house, your household, to become an accosting. That is to say, propensely you're making yourself vulnerable to destruction. Hallelujah. So here we find that the word accosting is basically the word that is both Greeks and Hebrew people. They make use of this word. And it is used to express a person that is devoted to destruction for public safety. I want you to get that. And a constant is a thing or a person. <laughs> this night is getting heavy for you to see. And a constant is a thing or person devoted to destruction for public safety. When we get down, you're able to see how Caiaphas made a statement was a high priest. And he said, don't you know that someone have to die for Israel to be saved, for this nation to be saved? I mean, if you remember that. Very good. So, in that sense, you discover that Jesus was what? An accosting to set Israel free. Praise God. That has implication of what I'm dealing with. So, accosting in the way it's been taught is not actually what it is in the Bible. Amen? All right. So that is what he said. Listen to what I said again here. An accosting is what? A person or thing, but primarily a person, basically a person that is devoted for destruction, for the safety of the public, or for a nation to be saved. The accosting has to be killed or has to be destroyed. Did you get that? Good. So when God was telling them in Deuteronomy and say you don't have to bring in an abomination to your heart, bring in a costing because you become like the accosting. That means you make yourself vulnerable for what? For destruction. So what belongs to God, which He has mapped out for for destruction, so that there'll be safety for the whole people, you don't bring in to your house. What belongs to God belongs to God. You must know the difference of what belongs to God and what doesn't belong to God in this context. Amen. All right. So now, we're going to back now to the book of Exodus, and then we'll see what I'm saying. Exodus now, 32 verse 31. 
Amaziah returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, these people have seen a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee out of the book which thou hast written. Amen. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, he will I blot out of my book. So when you are trying to say, forgive them, if not, blot me out. What is that supposed to mean? Yeah, simply, we know, like I was trying to say, Moses was with the Lord for about 40 days and 40 nights, right? Writing the laws and all that. So he had been able to compile the, the list for the children of Israel, and then how they are going to live through the wilderness, and then how they are going to go through the promised land, and how they are able to share the land for each and every one of them. Thank you, Father. Each and every one of them when they get to the promised land. Right? And that becomes the genealogy of the children of Israel. It become the book of their life. For instance, maybe I need to explain that again. Look at it this way. You see, when Jesus was alive, you have the record. Sometimes he goes, he preached in the temple and he preached in the synagogue. Have you noticed that? Synagogue and temple. What's the difference? The temple was what was on before they went to Babylon. Is that okay? Right. And when they came back from Babylon after the 70 years, those who came back from Babylon didn't want to go to the temple to worship because they felt that they have corrupted themselves with other forms of worship. They were the only people pure. They went into captivity. They maintained themselves over there in Babylon. They come back home so they don't go to the temple. So what happened? They stood under trees. They were worshiping under trees. And that's what they call synagogue. Now, if you go to the book of Ezra, you be able to discover that. When they finished building, they now went to the book of the genealogy of the priests. And the Bible said, those whose names were not found in the priesthood were not permitted to officiate. That's what we say now. So the record that people came with from Babylon, they went to check and say, whose father was a priest? Before they went to Babylon. So if your lineage does not come along that, you can function. You see what I mean? That's genealogy. Now, for those who came back, and their names were found in the book of the record of those who came back, as opposed to those who were left behind, they were in the book of life. Those who were behind, what you mean in the temple, they were in the book of the dead. Because to them, they have corrupted themselves, they mixed up themselves. I don't know if you're getting this. So book of life and book of the dead simply speak about those who have received Christ and who have not received Christ. That's all. It's not something you go to heaven to see. You know, you're not going to go to heaven tomorrow and then you see a gate and then you see, uh, what do you call that? You say the Gabriel and the smart. I don't know. <laughs> they come with a big book. And then they look at the big book and then they begin to separate the people. You just come before them and say, okay, let's look at the book and then your name is not there. I mean, I can't, can you imagine how big that book is going to look like? Billions and billions of people. Huh? So that is not it. The book of life is just Jesus. Is that okay? And Paul will even say that, I think in the book of Philippians. So you greet the household of, uh, you understand, Phoebe and the sisters whose name are in the book of life and Clement. How did they know their books, I mean their names are in the book of life? Just simply because they are Christians, they are believers. So if you are a believer, your name is in the book of life. You don't have to die to be able to discover that. You should be able to know now that your name is in the book of life. Are you there with me? Praise God. And like I always explain to you, when you talk about book of life, 
Anytime, for instance, in a nation, uh, a woman give birth to a baby or something, as the case may be. What's the next thing that happened? They give the child birth certificate. Right? Okay. And I know when my father passed on, they asked me to go and collect certificate of death. So, there's a register for those who died, and they have certificate for that. There's a register for those who are born again, who are just born into the, into the country. There's a register for that. So, one is book of life, one is book of the dead. It's so simple. So you come into the kingdom and you receive the Holy Spirit. You become Christ in nature by reason of the Spirit of Christ. You are in the book of life. Because you are born again. And anytime a child is born again, it's registered. For population's sake. Is that okay? Come on, are we together here? So that's just what it means. So it's not necessarily that there's one big book up there in the sky when you're going to go to tomorrow and then they're going to check out your name. No. You should be able to know right now that you are in the book of life because you belong to Jesus. Amen? Praise the living God. So like we read in book of Revelation 13 verse number 8 talking about the book of the Lamb of the Lamb that was slain. What is that supposed to mean? That means we're talking about those who have the character and the nature of who? Of Jesus Christ. They are in that book. Praise God. Are you there with me? Right, so that's exactly what we see here. Uh, Moses talking about get my name out of that book. He was just simply saying, well, if we don't want to take these people along to the promised land, I also don't want to go. By implication, let me be an accosting for these people so that they can go to the promised land. You see what I mean? Praise the Lord. So, God in his infinite mercy and kindness as well to Moses spared him that situation you know of going to Canaan without taking the people with him. So as it were the prayer of Moses was answered. Just like Paul was saying I wish I could be an accosting when Moses said blot my name he was saying I want to be an accosting and God answered a prayer and said okay fine but the, the judgment of God, the justice of God, finally fell on the people, except their younger generation at the end of the day. But that's one of the reasons Moses could not enter the promised land. Because he asked to be an accosting for Israel to be able to go. That's another hard place for leadership. You can see how Paul would do that. Jesus was an accosting. Paul said he wants to be. Moses said he wants to be. That's leadership. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are we still here? Alright. So they have forfeited their lives there. I mean, and were sentenced to die in the wilderness. And Moses himself, prayer was answered. You know, God had mercy on him while, I mean, based on his prayers. Then he suffered, the other people suffered the justice of the law as the case may be because they are the ones that sinned against them. But their posterity were able to enter the promised land. But Moses could not go because he said, blot my name out. It was a prayer. And God answered the prayer too. <laughs> Praise the living God. Come on, is anybody following me? That's why sometimes too, <clears throat> no, this thing has significance spiritually, but that's why sometimes you don't just open your mouth when you, when you are in, in a state of frustration because they count in the spirit. I don't ever get in that. This should be a very big lesson. You don't just open your mouth because of certain things that are happening around you. Oh, what kind of life is this? Oh, what kind of marriage is this? Oh, what kind of... You don't just open your mouth 
Because they count in the spirit. And that's why scriptures say, you have spoken to my ear. What will I do? So will I do unto you? Something. You look at children of Israel and say, no, we don't want you to talk to us. Talk to Moses. I like Moses. Talk to us. God said, well, you have well spoken. And that's why he shut the communication between Israel and Moses. It's what they said. So you mind what you tell God. Even if you're angry, no matter what is happening to you, even if you're frustrated, be careful what you say, because it can't. By your mouth, you're justified. By your mouth, you're condemned. Life and death are the power of the tongue. You are free to eat the fruit thereof. Moses said, get me out, I don't want to go. God said, fine, you don't have to go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you mind what you say. It's very, very important. No matter what you are trying to, I mean, no matter the situation, the experiences, the condition you are, mind what you say. Hallelujah. So, all of such people, like I'm saying, what I would call anathemas, such anathemas, or persons devoted to destruction for the public good, were common among all the ancients, even in the days of Moses. All the nations, they have people that, you know, marked out for destruction for nations. They believed it. They, it had always been there. And like I said, when we get down to the point, you're going to see it. How that even uh, Caiaphas had to make that statement. So, let's just move on a little bit. You know. Praise the Lord. So when God said, I will cut them off, Moses said, no, don't cut them off, cut me off. That's what we're saying. Is that okay? Right. Okay now, so let's go again now to the book of Romans, chapter, chapter 9. Now read from verse number 11 again. Romans chapter 9, from, sorry, verse 1. Romans 9, verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. That I have great heaviness and continue sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a cause from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelite, to whom pertinent what? The adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Look at that verse number three. It's a key thing. But I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. I don't know if you're getting this. In other words, you, you understand that? Fine. Let me no longer be a Christian. Let me no longer be a believer. That's what he's saying. Accursed from Christ. Let me become a devoted person <laughs> that could be killed so that Israel can live. You got me enough accounts now? Praise the Lord. Are we here? So Paul desired to be devoted to destruction and the Jews there were in order to redeem his country people from this most terrible and horrible destruction. The destruction that was coming was what you find in Mighty 24. Is that okay? When the Roman army came into Jerusalem, all of those things that were going to come were what Paul was saying, and he was saying, oh, I wish. If only I could be the one that could be destroyed so that Israel can be saved. That wanted me to be our cause. Now I'm telling you, this is very, very important, the subject we're treating. 
Because without an accursed person, you don't have redemption. <laughs> it's as serious and as powerful as that. It takes the devoted accursed person destroyed for you to be saved. And it was a common practice. Common practice. Hallelujah. So yeah, he was willing to become a sacrifice for the public safety. And to give his life to redeem the earth. That's what he was saying. Let me be an accustain for these people. Separate me from Christ. Let me lose my redemption, right and privileges. I wish I could be a cause from Christ. I don't know if you're getting that. That's how strong that statement is. So Paul was saying, I mean, um, Moses said, let me be a cause for the children of Israel. Paul said, let me be a cause for the children of Israel. Every one of them was having that desire to be separated from even the life that they were already in because of their kinsmen. Hallelujah. And so, like I said, you find at the end of the day, we're going to deal fully with that. Christ himself had to become an accosting for you and I to be what? To be saved. That's the implication of what I'm dealing with. Without an accosting, you have no redemption, no safety, no protection. Hallelujah. So Paul is willing that in their place, Christ should be what? He wants to be a devoted object or a devoted person in the place of the children of Israel so that they can have freedom, safety, protection from the Romans that are going to come, like you find in Matthew 24. I could wish myself to be devoted, you know, by Christ as it were. That temporary destruction to which, you know, John to be disobedient to the Jews. You were just looking at this situation. How these people are not willing to follow, how these people are not listening to what God is saying. I need to be separated from Christ. I need to be, a, I mean, an object of, an accursed object, a destruction, so that these people can be free. If only that is possible. It was a hard cry of Apostle Paul. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's take this. <laughs> Glory. John chapter 11, 47. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. But you need to get this. Very important. Are you there? I'm going to read from verse number 47. Glory to God. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles, and if we let him toss alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Please follow this. And one of them, named Caiaphas, then the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all. Oh, glory to God. You have no understanding. Verse 50. Neither consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. It's like a question. You have no understanding. I don't need to get in this now. By implication. <laughs> now remember they were dealing with the issue of Jesus. 
Verse 51, the Bible says, And he speaking not of himself, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for what? For that nation. Can you get it now? Hallelujah. The one man that should die, his proposition is to slay the one man. He's trying to say, let one man die instead of the whole nation to die. Praise the Lord. Rather than the Romans coming in to destroy Israel, let one man die so that Israel can be saved. Unfortunately too, he have no understanding that even his death was not going to save Israel. Why? Because they still would not believe. But now he never spoke all by himself. It was by the influence of the spirit. And it's very important that, that this particular verse is, you see, when I was reading this, I said, God help me. 4915 is the key. One of them, has been a high priest, that same year said unto them, you know nothing at all. You don't have understanding. What he's trying to say, for any nation to be saved, one man must go. Mm. Hallelujah. Are you there? And then verse number 50. Now consider that it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people, that the whole nation perish not. Let one man die. And who was that now? Jesus Christ. So just like Paul was praying, you see, I wish I could die so that Israel can be saved. This is what the high priest was saying. Now, let Jesus die so that Israel can be saved. And of course, that what happened. So now, you see, if he never died, you will never have your redemption. And he has to die for other people to be saved. That means he become an accosting glory to God. Something devoted to God. Something precious to God. He has to be an accosting to be destroyed for the people to be what? To be saved. You see where your redemption lies. It lies on the accosting, which is Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. Are you still following this? I want you to get it. So, this is very, very important for us to understand. That when we talk about our cause thing, we are dealing with that which is devoted to God, a person that is devoted, you know, committed to God for destruction so that nations can be what? Shall be saved. It's very mysterious. Anybody who will not believe in the sacrifice of Jesus, well, no problem about that. But this is a mystery and this is what we've seen and this is what is playing all through the scriptures. So Jesus died so that you can be free. And so you have to stand on this understanding that your freedom is guaranteed because somebody died in your place. Are you with me? Right. Because Jesus died then you must be free. You've got to believe it. You can no longer be an accosting because somebody already became an accosting for you. Your safety, your freedom, your success is guaranteed because there was an accosting, which is Christ himself. And only the spiritual understanding can reveal this, just like it was with Caiaphas. Not everybody can understand why Jesus had to die. But the spirit made this priest to understand that Jesus had to be an accosting for Israel as a nation to be saved, but just as it were, not just Israel and above what for the whole world. God scripture say it was a propitiator for what? For the whole world. Not just Israel. 
So that's why you can't doubt the death of Jesus. He has a problem from several angles why he need to die, why he must die, and he did that for your sake and my sake. So your freedom is guaranteed because there was what am I saying? An accosting, a devoted person that God himself has to destroy. Sister, you following me? You sure? <laughs> Praise the living God. Yeah, because you see, we've had all of this teaching about the accosting, you know, I'm sure some of you have heard about it. A can collected the accosting, you know, it's accosting in your house, that's where there's a problem. They don't understand what an accosting stands for. You understand what I mean? Right. They have to sell the family of Achan to be able to bring out the things he stole, all of that, whatever, the gold, the silver, and then he was stoned to death. Taken to the valley and stoned to death, as the case may be, because he had the accosting. And remember what he said, you collect an accosting, you become an accosting. <laughs> so he was to die now because he collected accosting. But what I'm trying to make you understand is the accosting are God's personal property devoted to God. And they are made for the redemption of the whole nation, of the whole people. And so Jesus was an accosting devoted to God. And when he was crucified, it was meant to set you free. Praise God somebody. So you need to anchor on that. That there was an accosting on my behalf. And that is Jesus Christ. Praise God. So you see... We're looking at his story, be able to see, like I said before. Now, Paul couldn't go through that, but Jesus went through it. And Moses had to go through it, like I said before. Because Moses had to be a type, I mean, Jesus had to be a type of Moses. According to the law, God said in Deuteronomy, I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto me, unto you. Him shall ye do what? Obey. And every man that will not listen to him or obey him, his soul shall be caught up. And that was Jesus Christ. So now, if you have to be like unto him, that means he has to die for Jesus to do what? To die. So we find that the only person that did not go through the process as it were, is now who? Apostle Paul. Even though he claimed for it, it was a heart-burning thing. But Jesus went through it as an accosting. Moses went through it as an accosting. Praise the living God, somebody. Just to let the people go. Just to let the nation go. Just to let you and I to be free. Jesus had to become an accosting in the hands of God. Devoted to God. An accosting to God that belongs to God. An accosting is not something demonic. An accosting is what God has taken to himself to put up so that other people can be what? Can be set free. Praise the living God, somebody. I need you to anchor your faith on this reality. That somebody died for you as an accosting. Anytime an accosting is destroyed, the people are set free. The nation are set free. And you are set free because we had an accosting in the place of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.